you have your Bibles with you, um, you can turn it to the book of Philemon. If you pronounce Philemon any way other than Philemon, you are wrong. It is full. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know how to pronounce it. But I'm, for, the, for the sake of tonight, we're calling it Philemon. It's Philemon. Because you know why? If I tried to change it on the fly, it'd be all messed up. So Philemon it is. So you can turn to Philemon. Philemon, Philemon, Phil, e, Mione. However you pronounce it, turn to it. And we ain't, we're not going anywhere. We're just staying there. Thank you, Lord. This This book is a powerful book. This book, um, it is one chapter long. It is 25 verses long. And we're going to preach on it for the next two weeks. And there's so much life to be gained from studying this passage. Philemon 1 through 7. uh, Together real quick as a church. Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Ephia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we say right now, have your way in our hearts and in our minds, in in our souls. And we say that because we yield our soul to you. We yield our will. We yield our emotions. We yield all things to you. We don't want to leave here the same way we came. We don't want to leave here simply encouraged. We want to leave here changed and impacted and touched and affected and healed by the work of Jesus Christ. By our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Do that awesome thing you do and minister to each one of us in that unique personal way that we all need. In Jesus' name, amen. So far, all we've seen in this letter is Paul addressing a fellow brother, a pastor who he clearly respects, who's gone to great lengths to honor and respect in this introduction, to acknowledge for this guy's great works and the love he's shown for the ways that he has blessed the body, that he has been an asset to the body of Christ, to Paul himself to other believers. That's that's all we've seen so far. But we're about to get to the heart of this book. This is an awesome book. If you're not familiar with this book of Philemon, I, I encourage you guys, study it this week. We're going to preach on it again next week. But here's what we're about to get into. There was a man named 
Onesimus, who was a slave. And Onesimus ran away and found his way to Rome. A slave that had run away has been found guilty of thievery, of stealing. A slave who had run away has stolen the master's property and is considered a thief. And he did. By running away, he, he was not his own. He was the property of a gentleman. And in leaving, he stole. And in doing so, subject to all of the law and all of the ordinances that come with someone who had stole. His life was not his own. Now, there is no indication whatsoever in the Bible that Onesimus had been treated harshly, poorly, violently in any way from his master. There's no indication of it. Now, let's keep in mind, when we're talking about slavery, we're not talking about roots slavery or civil war slavery. We're not, you know, we're not... It's a different type of slavery. We'll, we'll touch on that for a moment. I just want you to keep that in the back of your mind. We don't see that Onesimus was treated harshly. In fact, we can, we can have a safe assumption that he was treated kindly. He was treated lovingly. How can we make that assumption? Well, we just read Paul's introduction to his master. Philemon was the master who owned Onesimus. Philemon and his wife, who's addressed at the beginning, um, they, they pastored a church out of their home. We don't know how many slaves that, that he may have owned. Um, I want to say that there were something like 600 million slaves in the Roman Empire at any given time. And it wasn't uncommon for a wealthy man to have 400 slaves. But Philemon, we are introduced to Philemon, this pastor, this wealthy man by Paul. And the introduction that we get from him is one that, that shows that this is a man who is loving, who is respected, who is honored by Paul. Here in America, we're quick to put labels on each other to put labels on each other. We do it so quickly. We do it readily. We do it consistently. We're awesome at it, even though it kind of sucks. But we do. You know, what kind of labels? Rich and poor. Ambitious and lazy. Successful, a failure. Elite, a nobody. As Christians, how are we to handle the labels that so easily are thrown around in our society. This book examines that. This book examines so many topics that we might not be comfortable with. It's like slavery. How many of you guys are like, you know, comfortable with the fact that we're sitting there praising this man Philemon who is a slave owner? How many of you guys are just like absolutely comfortable with that? I am now. But I wasn't early on. Just to shed a little light, it, in the Roman culture, one of the quickest ways, that, and it depends on the master, to be honest with you, it depends on the master. One of the quickest ways to climb up in society was to become the slave in a good house. 
If you became the slave or the servant in a kind owner's house, you were elevated, you were trusted, you were honored, you were protected, you were secure. You could walk around town bearing the, the ring, the identification, the, the recognition of knowing that you belonged to this house, to this master, and you were protected. No one would mess with you because messing with you meant you messed with the master. Does that, does that sound a little familiar to all of us? Being a slave under a kind master, and by the way, we serve the kindest of masters. It, it was a way of honor and trust. A slave would carry money you know, from, from the master to other places. He was trusted with those type of things. We do not know the conditions of why Onesimus left. We can speculate. But we don't know we don't know all the reasons why. But I think it's safe to assume it wasn't because of abuse. Can we pull up that, that passage again? In verse there we are. In verse Five, in verse four, I always thank God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all of his holy people. We can stop right there. Paul, an apostle, he could, he could begin this letter any way he wanted. He begins it with, I hear about your love for all of his holy people. It's safe to assume that, that he was a kind master to his servants also. So, Here's my speculation. Total speculation. Do not take this to the bank. This is not Bible. This is Mark. You know, perhaps there was such a, a stirring in him. A stirring for something bigger. A stirring for something greater. A stirring, you know, and, and he, with good motives to be to be free, to seek out Jesus. Um, with good motives, he did a bad thing. He left. He he ran, he fled. Instead of sitting there and saying, Master, can we have a talk? Instead of sitting there and and communicating and maybe confronting a, a very big elephant in the room, he took the easy way out and fled. That's my speculation because I've done that. And you've done that. We've all done that. How many times is there a... Uh, we, we feel a stirring and instead of trusting God and trusting the people he's put over us we flee we run we take off we've all done it we have to trust God Paul is about to take us into something a whole lot deeper and I want to point something out at the beginning of this book Paul who sometimes in his letters he he writes hi I Paul yeah hi hi I Paul a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, a bondservant, a slave. There's times he begins his letters, Paul, a slave. There's times he begins acknowledging that he's an apostle. But how does he begin this one? Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. 
in verse 9, he says it again. I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. In verse 23, there's only 25 verses in the book. He says it again. Because I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. When we, this is just a little side note, in dealing with each other, in interacting with each other, in confronting each other, in making the hard call with each other, let's follow the example that Jesus follows. Let's follow the example that Paul follows by exampling Jesus. And that's one of humility. He humbled himself. One of humility and honor. He honored and he humbled himself in this example. So we read verses 1 through 7. Let's read verse 8 now. Because Paul kind of gets straight to the, to the heart of his message and why he's writing this letter to Philemon. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Let's stop right there. Anybody want to guess at what the name Onesimus means? It means useful. Useful. Just to, to make a point here, the slaves received their name from the master. And the name that was given to Onesimus was useful. Church, friends, we receive our name from our master as well. And the things that he has, the name he calls us by, the things he refers to us to are things of life and love. Now, I don't know any other backstory. I don't know if at one point he was called useless. I mean, I don't know. But we know that's what the enemy brings, right? We know that's what the enemy tries to, to bring lies. And then our, our master steps in and says, no, I have a new name for you. And your name is Useful. So Paul makes the appeal for Onesimus. Just to give a little bit of background also, and if you haven't noticed, I'm really kind of wanting to teach and kind of lay groundwork tonight. You know, in Rome, when Paul talks about being in chains right now, um, it's not chains in prison as we, as we know it, and it's not prison as Paul will be at other times. During this time, um, it is most likely he's under house arrest. He's able to have guests that come and go. He's able to write letters that come and go. He's... He's able, as a Roman citizen, he has certain privileges. And one of those is while he's awaiting trial, he's basically under house arrest. By the way, hey, have you seen the, if you read this book, check out the all-star team. Like the, 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 the biblical studs that are surrounded by Paul during this time. It starts off about, hey, I'm here with Timothy. And then at the end of the chapter, he's like, oh, by the way, Matthew and, or not Matthew, Mark and Luke, who are later going to write gospels. You know, they're here with me also. And then there's a few other guys, Demas and two other Greek-sounding names are also with him. But um, 
I guess that's another little side note to say, who do we surround ourselves with? You know, who, who, who are the people that are in our lives during these difficult calls? So let's go ahead and go back to verse 12. Paul is saying, I'm coming to you on behalf of Onesimus, who basically uh, I birthed. He came to me while I was in chains and he gave his life to Christ. All right, there's gonna, apparently there's going to be a lot of me just getting up here talking, and that's okay. Philemon, we're going to see here later on, the Philemon also gave his life to the Lord through the ministry of Paul. Philemon owes his life to Paul. He learned the good news of Jesus Christ through Paul. How often did... Philemon give praise and mention this name. Because here Paul is in, in chains and in house arrest and Onesimus sought him out. Sought him out. Went to Rome, a huge city, the largest city in the region and sought him out. Why? To find out about Jesus. To find out about Jesus. There was a hunger within him and so he sought out Paul and during that time gave his life to the Lord. Paul says, formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. That's verse 12. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place. He's speaking to a master about his slave. Let's keep that in mind. So that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. We can just stop right there. In just the last eight verses, Paul, who's an apostle, could have written this letter saying, hey, here's the way it is. Like it, don't like it, doesn't really matter to me. I'm sending Onesimus back to you and you need to receive him and treat him kindly. I'd prefer you give him freedom, but definitely accept him as a brother. Paul had that right. I know it sounds, uh, the way I did it sounded very rude, but Paul had that right. That is not how Paul began this letter. He did so with honor and with humility and with compassion. He did so with respect. Think about how radical this is for a moment. Think about the tough spot that all three people, Paul, Philemon, and Onesimus are in. Think about the trust that they have to have for the Lord in the things that God has asked them to do. Okay, let's start with Paul. Paul is proposing the most radical concept. I'm sending a slave back to you and I'm asking you to receive him as a brother. I'm asking you to treat him kindly and honorably and he is more, he is useful for me to advance the kingdom, but he will be more useful for you 
and I'm putting him at the same level as you. I know you're master and slave, and he, he ran, he left, he fled, possibly stole. We, you know, we don't know. But I'm asking you to receive him back, and not just receive him back without giving him the beat down, but to receive him back as a brother. That is radical. That is radical. Who does that? Who asks that? Let's look at Philemon. As Philemon is reading this letter, Onesimus is standing right here. Going, there you go. Paul's reading this letter because Onesimus, along with Tychus, delivered the letter. Onesimus is standing there. Imagine all the emotions and the feelings that are going through Philemon's mind. Just think about it for a second. You know, he was furious and betrayed. If he's a good and honorable man, as we see, loving to all around him, imagine the hurt that Philemon experienced. The betrayal. I treated you kindly. I treated you like a son. I'm a kind master. And you, you, you repay me like this? So as Philemon's reading what you and I are reading, Onesimus is standing there. Paul is having to confront his emotions, his feelings, his hurts, all of it. He's, he's having to confront all of this as he's reading this. And Onesimus, who has been told by Paul, hey, something's happened in your life. There's been a change in your life that's real. Right? You're not the same person, right? You've accepted Jesus into your life. Right? Right? You're a free man because of the work of Jesus. Right? Well, if it's true, and if what you experience is real, my son, you only have one honorable response. You only have one honorable response. Genuinely honorable response. And that's to go back to your master. Think about, I mean, this is radical. This is radical all the way around. Paul is doing something that stepping out in faith, he's like, man, this is this could really go over bad. Onesimus in heading back home going, Oh man, this could really this could really go bad. And Philemon's perhaps in there going, I want this to go really bad. What can I hit him with? I don't know. But either way, this could go really bad. I accept my slave back as a brother and I give him his freedom. What about those other wealthy people in my church who aren't going to agree with the freedom I've given this slave? What about my neighbor who owns 500 slaves? What about... The 399. We're just assuming he has 400 slaves. Big assumption. What about the rest of my slaves in my house? Are they going to want their freedom? Because most of them have received Jesus too. What What am I getting into? Lord, what are you getting me into? Think about it. This is radical. This is a radical, radical book in the Bible. Verse 17. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong 
or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very life yourself. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. And here's the benefit I want from you. Refresh my heart in Christ. We saw at the beginning of this chapter that Paul praised him for refreshing the hearts of many Christians. And now Paul is saying, hey, I I do want to benefit from you. Refresh my heart. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. What a beautiful closing. When we read this book, when you're studying this book this week, look at the honor and the respect that Paul writes his letter in. What's going to happen as a result of this letter? What's going to happen? What's what's Philemon's response going to be? What's going to happen to my son, Onesimus, you know, a son in the Lord who has been so radically changed, Paul considers him a huge asset for the kingdom, doing the work of Paul while Paul's in chains. But yet Paul knows what's right and what's honorable and he sends Onesimus back. Think about the moment of truth, the moment of destiny, the moment, the life-changing moment that each of these people face in this moment. What were their responses? How did, how did Philemon respond? How did he respond? What were the results of him reading this letter? It's never mentioned again, yet we know exactly how he responded. It's never mentioned. The, chap, the, the, the book ends after verse 25. We've read it. But we know exactly how he responded. How do we know? How do we know how he responded? Because if he would have tore this letter up, we wouldn't be reading it today. If he would have tore this letter up, it wouldn't be a part of Holy Scripture that we call the Bible today. So what was his response? Once again, we, we speculate. Paul gave us a description of, of the godliness of this man and the ways that he believed in him. So by faith, we believe that he responded in accordance with who God had made him to be. 
what I want to, I want to, since I'm kind of supposing some things, this is one of those, this is one of those things. We see through other writings, through other writings in church history, that Philemon was the bishop of Colossae. Colossae. Okay, he was, he was the bishop. He oversaw many churches. So check this out. This is too cool. And once again, don't take this to the bank. But about 35 years after this letter was written, a man named Ignatius wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus. So Ignatius was the bishop of Antioch, where the, the church was formed. Philemon was the bishop over Colossae. So Ignatius writes this. He was on his way to Rome to die for his faith, to become food for the lions. And he speaks highly of the bishop of Ephesus. Anybody want to guess what the bishop of Ephesus' name was? Onesimus. Onesimus. Useful. I don't think that's a reach at all. What I faithfully believe happened was that Philemon read this letter and they cried and they embraced. He said, just as as Paul has called you brother, I call you brother. And God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. I can see it all over you. When you walked in, I could tell you were a changed man. So let's agree with God and the plan that he has. And you know what? We'll deal with the other masters and we'll deal with the other slaves the same way that we're dealing with this moment right now by putting our trust in Jesus Christ. This, you know, that, that's what I believe happened. This letter is in the Bible for a reason. The kingdom of God grew. The word of Jesus Christ spread. And then 35 years later, there's a bishop with a slave's name. I don't think it's a coincidence. Three times in this 25 verse chapter, Paul takes a humble approach and says, I, a slave of Christ Jesus, not I, Paul, an apostle, which, which he was. His life was not his own. When Onesimus fled, he was guilty of being a thief because his life was not his own. But when he surrendered his life to Christ, he said, my life is not my own. When Philemon was faced with a slave that had betrayed him and the request of Paul to say, receive him as a brother, Philemon's response, my life is not my own. Church, we are called to a life of surrender. A life of surrender and a life of trust. You look at these three men and the way that they had to trust God for the response, for the outcome, for their lives, for their reputations, for everything. Our lives are not our own. Our lives are meant to be one where we trust God. 
Jesus. We trust Jesus for the outcome. I don't know what the outcome will be, but I trust Jesus. So I'm going to do what's right. Paul, hey, I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but Onesimus, I've, I've showed you the way so far and I can't stop doing that. You've got to go back. And we trust God for the outcome. What are the areas in your life right now that you've got to trust God for the outcome? And what are the areas in your life when we have to trust God by surrendering and saying, my life is not my own? We serve the best master, the kindest master, the perfect father. And we face things that we aren't capable of figuring it out or putting it back together. We face things that in our minds there is no easy, unmessy solution. But we trust Jesus with our lives because we gave our life to Him anyway, right? Brothers and sisters, friends, if, if you bear the name of Jesus Christ as a Christian... You have trusted your life with Him anyway. We trust Him. We trust Him. We place our trust in Him. It's funny, in preparing a message for Philemon, I I was not preparing a message of trust, although we've been preaching that for about a month now. Church, the Lord is calling us to trust Him. Trust me for the outcome. 35 years from now, what stories are going to be told? <laughs> because we trusted in God. What, what's going to go on in the lives of our children because we trusted in God for the solution? We trust God.